Well, Michael, it is great to have you back on the podcast. We were just chatting before, and I said, oh, you were here a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah. It was over six months six ago. Six months. I could not believe it. Which is crazy. I think you maybe have been back here since Absolutely. then, but, but yeah, not yeah, on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so, delighted to be back. So here in front of me, uh, you just posted this on social media just like about a week ago because this book just came out. Huh, it's, a new it's book. brand oh, new wow. book, and it has wow. your name on it. Oh, what? Yeah. That's my book. Yeah, it is. I wrote a book. It is. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm hoping that we can talk about it today, and I know yeah. you alluded to it a little bit in the last uh, session that we did, but since it's been six months, there's a lot more things, and obviously you have this book on paper. I, I joked with you a little bit that I... I want to write a book myself, but I realize actually it's a lot of work. Yep, yeah. yep. It is. It, it'll keep you off the streets for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So first of all, congratulations. Thank you. But I'm excited to talk about this. Many pastors and leaders out there who are wanting to grow. The, the last uh, session, if they didn't listen to it already, it was about growing, getting momentum back. Momentum, right? yeah. Getting yep, momentum yep. and growing from there. And so kind of building off of what we talked about, for those who don't know, Maybe your story of who you are. You coach pastors and leaders all over yep. the world, based in Australia, but in the U.S. quite frequently. Lot, you help yeah. coach our church, many other amazing, strong churches, been a part of Hillsong in the past and planted your own church. So you have a lot of experience in this area. But when it comes to this book, what would you say for those, and if it feels like a sales pitch, great. I hope, I hope it does, right? Like truly, like I'm, I'm excited to Let read this. Let me do this a deal like, for you. This is like the first first copy like, that yes. we got. We haven't even got our shipment yet for No, our no, staff. we've got a box on the way. Yeah. But all I'd say, what would you say to somebody like, okay, Accelerate, there's a picture of a F1 car on the front here. Yeah. Um, what, uh, that's what's the a, book about? The, the, the F1 is just a, a motive that runs through, and really what we talked about last time, momentum. But, it, but the question I ask pastors all over the world, and I think, I shared last time, we're probably up to about 10,000 hours now with senior pastors and their teams dealing with these very issues. Right. The question I ask pastors all the time is, where is discipleship happening in your church that is intentional, that is that is strategic, and that is scalable? Right. And, and accelerate, though the title says a prophetic and practical blueprint to double your church. It's kind of a Trojan horse, to be honest. Who doesn't want to double the church? Right, right. And we've seen stacks of churches now double in 18 months and two years. And I know that sounds almost fanciful, but it's actually happening. Yeah, yeah. And it's not even surprising me anymore. Uh, that's the, tr the Trojan horse is that. Inside, it's, hey, Let's take a journey to become the disciple-making pastors that Jesus wants us to be and actually that we all want to be. Right. Uh, so that's in a nutshell. And it answers those questions. It helps pastors to get a handle on a really intentionalizing their discipleship. Right. Getting strategic about marshalling their resources to that end and then actually scaling that thing. Right. Um, so that's that's a nutshell of accelerate no, uh, what it's about. I'm excited to dive into it. And, you know, it's December. And so people are looking into their new year. Yep. We just had yep. uh, an episode a couple weeks ago about calendar planning and uh, with my I dad. I saw that and, actually. Brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely so, so people, I think they're starting to think about this in a way. Yep. Okay, how do I plan this out? What are the new initiatives that I need to do? They're, they're looking, okay, Easter's early this year. So how are we going to work on some of those things? So uh, on, pa on page... Um, you know, people don't have the book in front of them yet because it's so new. But on page 50, you have these these kind of buzz-like buzz topics. Fix your nets, fill your funnel, fuel your multiplication, flex your capacity. Yep. Take us through those yep. quickly and then we'll yep. all kind of poke and prod and get, get to more sure. questions sure. from there. Um, in the same way, bouncing off uh, Dad's 
the, the, the Pastor, Pastor Rob, the, the session he did on calendar. Yeah. It's like you, you could look at him and say, man, he lives up here and 500 missionaries being sent to the field and, and you know, $10 million plus giving to missions every year and, and nine campuses or whatever we got right now. But actually a lot of the working of that, doing that and not going crazy happens in the nuance of the calendar. Right, right. It's true. And so we can talk about let's multiply, let's get momentum, let's have, let's make disciples like there's no tomorrow. But actually the nuance of that comes down to some of those very really basic things. Um, what we've endeavoured to do is take concepts that everyone would understand and drill them in, dial them in so that they actually get traction uh, on the ground. So fictionettes is really a capacity issue. You know, Luke 5, uh, where the, the, they've been fishing all night, Jesus has been teaching from their boats and says, hey, fellas, uh, who are fishermen and I'm not? Um, cast your nets into the deep, you know, go out and cut. And they're like, okay, Jesus, you know, uh, like, like this is our job. Uh, you, you, can, you can hear the, the, the internal narrative um, without too much trouble. Right. And uh, nevertheless, your word. So they, they let down the nets. And of course, fish come from everywhere. You know, it's like Jesus, like whistling, you know, got the, is, is the fish whistler. And they just come from And either heaven's math was out that day or Jesus was making a point. Right. Because more, f- he knew the capacity of the nets, so more fish came than the nets could contain. Right. To the point where it at least starts started sinking the boat. So called on their partners, nearly started sinking both boats. What, what, what's he doing there? I don't think math was the math was the problem. Right. He was saying my capacity to to pour out is only limited to the capacity you give me to work with. Wow. And so, and so fixing your nets, and there's a number of examples in Scripture where they're cleaning the nets, mending the nets, uh, you know, pulling the strands together, is about that. And really we're talking about like, like radical guest engagement, like, like bright red carpet being rolled out mm-hmm. to guests. And we talked last time about, you know, Jesus rocks up in a pair of, uh, you know, what 501s and a, and a white T-shirt and dreadies. And uh, he has, I don't know, who, Marge and Bob uh, with him and says, hey, guys, welcome, Tim. I've got Marge and Bob today. Could you look after him for me? It's, a, it's God, God, heaven's active right. in the lives of people. Right. And, then, and then really nailing whatever your version of growth track is so that it's highly contagious, highly effective, highly connective. So that's the whole fictionettes. And Fill Your Funnel is about, um, and this is one of my favorite parts, is about releasing the and, body. And I'm just going to translate. Fill Your Funnel is what he said for those who uh, don't speak Australian. <laughs> fill Your Funnel. How do you say it? I'll, I'll try. Fill, fill Your Funnel. Fill Your Funnel. Yeah. <laughs> Just if people were, that's the no, next no, one. That's no, just that's, the next no yeah. you, can, you, can, you can be my interpreter, <laughs> yeah, exactly. my interrupter anytime you <laughs> exactly. like. Um, so, so, yeah, the, the, the fiction that's is about capacity. Fill your funnel is about, I think, nailing the, the greatest latent potential of the church of Jesus Christ today and actually every day, and that is the mobilizing of the body of Christ. It's like it's like uh, when when my kids were teenagers and they wouldn't get out of bed. Um, you know, normal normal alarm clocks would not do. So we got one. I bought one. I think in the Philippines or something like that. That when the alarm went off, it went wake up, 
wake up, wake up, and it wouldn't stop. And so that alarm ended up being thrown against the wall at some stage by one of the children who remained nameless, uh, Ryan. And, uh, and, and, but that this, this is the message to the church. Wake up. Right. Wake up. We're not, we're not called just to come to church. We're called to be the church. And, uh, and so, and so that, that's essentially the fill your funnels. It's really mobilizing a truckload of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So the next one, fuel your multiplication. God's a multipl- multiplication God. If you go right, right back into, um, into Genesis, um, and, and this looks harder than it actually is. So we, we got God back to, Mo, uh, back to a, um, Adam and Eve, who were those guys R- early on in the Bible? Yeah, yeah, them. Uh, and he says, he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and, and subdue it. Well, if that was the last time he mentioned that, it still would have been relevant. The law of first mention would kick in. No way. He repeated that exact same commission right through the patriarchs, uh, King David, uh, you know, Joseph way back before that, um, uh, Noah, and then, of course, Jesus came and he was he was doing that thing. He was building... Um, his, his disciples, and then, of course, when the Holy Spirit came, we see the book of Acts, uh, and, you know, Acts 2, Acts 5, Acts 6 is, is really the, the climax in some ways of that particular principle where Acts 6 verse 1 says, says the disciples started to multiply. Right. Um, and so uh, fueling your multiplication is really about getting back to the multiplication strategy of God, the reproductive strategy of God, where every person is not just a exercising the ministry of the butt. You say, what? <laughs> well, we got a butt, they put it on a chair, and that's the extent of their of their engagement in the kingdom. Right. Um, but but God has called us to, to be multipliers. When it comes to multiplication, I think the the concept of it is exciting. In practice, it's difficult. Yeah. When when you see maybe it's somebody who's listening, maybe they're a small group leader and their small group has gotten too large and yep. they need to multiply. Yep, maybe yep, yep, it's yep. a campus that wants to go multi-site and they they go, do we go multi-site or do we plant another church in another community yep. that's an autonomous church? Yes. Do do we send a missionary? Do we do we raise them up? How do you know? I mean, for us, we've we've done this for twenty eight years, and yep. and my parents have have seen what sending looks like and how to send and you need to do it in due time and everything, yeah. but you also yeah. don't want to wait too long. Yeah. How do you know, or maybe what are some best practices of what, how do I know when it's right to multiply versus I'm just at a peak. Like if you take your Easter attendance or you mm. take your biggest small group weekend or whatever yeah. it is, you go, Oh, look at us. Like we need three services or we need a new campus. Well, but then you go into the summertime yeah. and it's lower. Yeah. Like how do you know you're at that point where multiplication is necessary? If multiplication was a good idea, then then we have that discretion. When multiplication is the very nature and character of God, now's always a time to multiply. Not in the big picture. Let's start with the 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 uh, the microcosm. You're sitting here, incredible young man of God with amazing potential, gifts, good looking. That you started out with one cell, mm. and then. The reason that I'm looking at the amazing Logan that I've known for a decade and a half or so is because you, the very essence of who you are comes of the, as, out of the product of multiplication. Uh, and, so, and so when we think about that, multiplication starts at day one. 
our whole purpose as an individual is to love God with all our heart and to reproduce His character in the lives of people right from the get-go. It, present becomes permanent very quickly. And so, and so I, I, I figure that when you get a new believer, and obviously that's, that's a really important component here, right. it's harder to multiply um, a, a, you know, a crusty, uh, old uh, you know, Christian that's been sitting on their chuff for four decades. You're like, like, don't even bother, almost. Because it's just too hard. Unless if Jesus rocked up in front of them, I don't think they'd multiply. <laughs> All right. So so let's start with 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 energetic new believers. I mean, we, how many? Who doesn't love being with a new believer? Yeah. It's like Jesus, the Word. Wow, this works. Miracles. And so okay. So here's your assignment: to go get them, Tiger, and and come on, let's 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 build the kingdom together. Okay. And so and so the DNA starts right from the get go. And so I think the key to small group multiplication, to church multiplication, to campus planting, to, to, to church planting is actually getting that DNA and, and actually releasing that. That's, the nor- that's normal Christianity. Now, sadly, it's become abnormal. It's like, what? You multiply small groups? How's that even happen? Whereas actually, when we, if, if we get a conviction in our gut, that that there is no other way, then 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 that will spill out. Now, to some of the the nuance of some of your other parts of that question. Sorry, before I leave that, um, multiplication best happens in the context of a small group. Jesus didn't even major on one-to-one discipleship. That'll be a shock to some people. He actually did most of his discipling in the context of the motley crew. Right. You know, his his the the the, the twelve disciples, mm-hmm. and I, I I sensed there'd be there's a, there was a whole lot of interaction between them. So it wasn't just one, even though he was Jesus, one to twelve. It was one to three, three to you know they they there was this as they walked and talked together. Now you can quote. Hang on, he had that breakfast with Peter on the beach. It was pretty <laughs> significant, and he had that interaction with Thomas. They are the exceptions, right. not the rule, and so. Building a, a the DNA of multiplication into a group. So so the goal in small groups is not just to have a great small group, but to build a like an incubator mm-hmm. of multiplication. Yeah, where where as they go, the leader organically is trained to train two or three other leaders being raised up. Yeah, in in last week's episode, I talked with Justin and Jesse about global teams and the discipleship that could happen on a global team. It almost feels like when you read scripture that Jesus and his disciples were on a three-year global team in the sense yeah. that, I mean, they they really, he says, give up what, what you've got at home, walk with me. And so I think to maybe someone listening, they say, that's great, but we live in a very individualistic society where yes, setting up a, a meeting for us to do this podcast yeah. is challenging yeah. or setting up a coffee meeting with someone in your church is challenging. And so it's great that we have the once a week hour, two hours to do small group. But I think that's that's a tension point to the scriptural multiplication that we see is the time that's spent together. We're so busy. You know, again, we're talking about calendar. We're talking about these times. How do you combat against the like, hey, you're a key giver in my church or you're a key, you know, volunteer or fill in the blank. You're somebody who I want to connect with. Yeah. But it takes three months to get our calendars aligned. Yeah. yeah. 
and it, it makes discipleship difficult. Yeah, no, that's a great question. In fact, that, that's one of the one of the great benefits of weekly small groups. Right. Now I know that some have backed it off to once every two weeks, and I, you know I'm not going to die on that hill, or even once a month, or every now and right. again. Here's the problem: because of that 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 busyness factor, which which I'm not I'm not cheering. I mean, my life is busy. Your life is busy. Your dad's life is busy. Um, so I'm not saying that busyness is not the goal. I mean, sometimes we sadly wear that as a badge. H- how you doing? Oh, I've been so fill in yeah, the blank. Yeah. <laughs> so busy. And uh, that's why small groups are so important. If people can carve out that hour, what will happen in that group? Uh, just maybe an hour and a quarter. Like don't, don't let it go on too long. Most groups go on too, way too long. Right. Two and a half hours because we love hanging out, and it's just like, whoa, shoot me, um, you know. If you, so, so, so if you can carve out that hour, hour and a quarter, say. Now here's one of the keys: have another little sub meeting after the meeting. So, so you, you're utilizing the time, and and so and so you, you then say to your group, if you're the group leader, and we train the the the, the training of group leaders is really really important. Um, in this whole in this whole deal, um, we the, the leader says, uh, you know, we've got a group. We've been going for two hours previously. I'm going to pull that back for a very important reason. We actually, I want to, I want to prepare Peter and Steve um, to be our next leaders. They're, we've talked to them. Don't let that be the first time they've ever heard of it. Yeah. Uh, it's like what? <laughs> Which can happen. Oh yeah, I've never done that. Yeah, I've never <laughs> done that. Yeah, that never happens. In the never church. happens. Yeah. Never happens. So so Steve and Pete. Uh, I think the names were. Um, we're so we're going to have a group, a little meeting, a, a briefing, and a training meeting after the group. You do two things: you give a natural end to the meeting without feeling awkward, because most leaders don't want to be that guy or that gal that kicks people out of their home. Right? It's like, oh, I feel like not a Christian, you know. Um, and so, so the so the meeting starts at seven, say, quarter quarter past eight, eight fifteen. Uh, we're going to flick the lights. And at 8.30, I start with Steve and Pete. Now, you also create a bit of an aspiration. Like, huh, how come Steve and Pete are the favourites? How come they get the special group? And to which you can say, hey, if John or, 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 or Roger, if you'd like to be part of, of that group uh, you, and you're really keen to do a group next time, come and talk to me and I'll see if we can, we can fit another one in. So you're creating a little bit of scarcity and an aspiration mm-hmm. that – that, that group leadership is a cool thing. And so, and in that group, and again, I won't go into the details here, but it's all in the book um, that I, I've been wanting to say that. <laughs> you got a book now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got a book. Uh, that that, that th- there are a dozen things that we, we train leaders on. And one of those is how to raise up. In fact, final thought on this, you can, if you were the, the, the connections pastor or even the senior pastor, you could get face to camera, even just with a, an iPhone, and, and film a dozen six-minute clips that 
every one of those meetings, they start off with, hey, let's hear from Pastor Logan today and see what he wants to share. Mm-hmm. Let's hear from Pastor Connor. Um, and uh, he's going to talk to us about atmosphere. He's going to talk to us about how to move people one step on their spiritual formation. We're going we're to talk about how to triage a crisis. There's mm-hmm. three of the 12. Yeah. Um, and so they start, it's, a, it's an easy start for the leader. It frames up the conversation for the group. Then they do a little debrief on the group. And next week, Steve is doing the 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 the, the word. Um, Pete's praying for you know needs, and so the, the, they they start to get experience in that. So over ten weeks, they they're like, let me at it. Right, that's, that's a the simple version. No, I, I, I've seen it to be true, and many listening probably have have done so. I think the selecting the person is important, but I think training them and, and giving them the time is is more valuable because yeah. I think anyone can be a small group leader. I mean, there's maybe a few exceptions yep. that just that's not their skill set, but I, I really think most people can become a small group leader. One of the things that I did uh, I, previously before I was in the role I'm in now, I oversaw our young adult ministry. Yeah. And I remember g- getting started, and at the time we were kind of in a transition with a new campus, and so there wasn't as many groups that were happening. And I tried to get get groups started and I kind of empowered people to say, Hey, just start a group at your campus. Yeah. And the the feedback was pretty strong, but the execution was not. And so it was, yeah, yeah, we're going to get started. We're going to yeah. do this. Yeah. And you know, I think we started maybe like six or seven groups yeah. across all our campuses. And again, we, at the time, I think we had seven or eight campuses. And yeah. so it, it's, that's not very good. <laughs> and, and, and I, I understand what you're saying. And because it needs more than inspiration. Right. Right. It needs more than inspiration. Right. I mean, I, I remember doing uh, doing an offering talk once and my spiritual, uh, kind of spiritual dad, spiritual mentor, Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, he's been in heaven about 20 years now. And he said, Michael, that really was inspiring. And I, and I thought, awesome. And he said, but you didn't tell us what to do right. and I didn't feel empowered. <laughs> right. So three eyes right. every time we engage with releasing leaders, we have got to inspire them with a kingdom mission. We've got to impart to them the faith, you can do this. Right. And then we've got to instruct them. What do you need to do? Right. But back in the day, I used to sell drugs. <laughs> Legally. Yeah. I, was, I was working for the pharmaceutical industry in uh, literally uh, Pfizer. And, uh, and when I first started as a rep, uh, it was about 86 years ago now, um, then the thoroughness of the training was crazy. Yeah. We did, we had, they had a, like a Xerox um, sales training. And, and about four times a year, we would go away for three or four days to pep up our sales skills. And we would do role playing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, so it became so second nature. Well, they did that to sell drugs. Right, right. The doctors. We're called with the greatest commission and calling of all time. Yeah. And so to your point, we underbake what what it what it takes just, to, to train. Just to reiterate that, I, I my first couple of jobs I worked in retail and the first company they worked at had a very amazing training program. And then I was looking for a new a new job and I liked what I did, but I, I just was looking for something new and I went to Nordstrom and they said, oh, yeah, we actually hire from that company because they have such a good training program. Amazing. And our training program isn't very good. But we know anyone who works for them, we hire. And it was just interesting that I think sometimes 
we we undervalue that. But also, I think we treat ourselves as churches like the Nordstrom a lot, where we're like, well, we just hire from the like we find all the other people from the yeah. other churches, and it's like, well, that's not a good idea. Yeah. But then, like, if you're gonna actually disciple new Christians, which I truly think, not being facetious, I really think that's what most people listening they want to reach more people. Absolutely. They want they want the new converts 100%. that are coming. Yeah. But with that, you then need training. And and what what changed it for me when leading in young adults was I started being way more intentional. I said, I'm going to stop trying to be so inspirational and try to be this guy who's everyone loves and everything and actually just give them the pathway to do. And so I started pouring into my leaders. And in two and a half years, we went from, I think, six or seven groups that were meeting weekly to like 47 groups that were meeting wow. weekly. Yeah. And and then I had different coaches that were over mm-hmm. different areas and I would meet with those teams and we actually would create a curriculum that people could go through Brilliant. and videos that they'd watch. They, it, they would watch like six minutes from me as the young adult pastor, and then they would have the, the ability to lead. And I'm not saying it was a perfect strategy, but what I saw is pouring into and taking care of leaders. I think it's at times as a pastor, maybe even the lead pastor of the church or the connections pastor who's in charge of small groups, they feel like they have to do all these different things to inspire the people and get everyone excited. When when most people in business go, I just need you to tell me what to tell do. Tell me what to just do. Just tell me what to do. Tell, How long yeah. should my small group be? Should exactly. it be 75? Great. Yeah. Yeah. How should I end my small group? Here's here's three ways to end your small group. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Just well, you mentioned one. And, and it's not that our small groups are meant to be practical in nature. They're meant to be transformational. Oh, yeah. But I think the, the missing piece is as the pastor – you can be transformational in the small group you lead, yeah, yeah. but you can't be as transformational or maybe can't even be transformational if you're not leading the group. Yeah, that's right. You can be transformational in the life of the leader, yeah. but that's the empowering point. Yeah. If you don't empower them to be transfer or to help transform the people in their group with all the practical steps— mm-hmm then they're going to be stuck on the practical side and not stuck on the transformation. It's the same with church services. It's the same with launches. Mm -hmm. It's like people oftentimes, I think, they try to be so inspirational and transformational and charismatic that people go, just like your mentor said to you, hey, that was a great moment. (laughs) The first time I've shared this before, but the first time I... I received offering. I, I had never received offering before as I, I became our young adults pastor. I forgot to receive the offering. <laughs> I was so excited was to, so to introduce our speaker yeah, yeah, yeah. that I didn't even yeah, introduce yeah, the offering. Yeah. So I That's got a off, great example. I got off stage yeah. and they were like, you didn't even do anything you said you were going to do. But I was just excited. Yes, and yeah. I think there is a lot of that in ministry, yeah. but then there's the reality of, but what's what do I actually need to do? Yeah, yeah. We Like I love moments. Like I, my wife says this about me. Um, you can have a party anytime you like, as long as you invite M- Michael, you know. Right. Uh, I, I am a rabid extrovert, you know. Hello, I'm Michael Murphy and I'm a rabid extrovert. That's right? why you and my dad get along. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we just hang out and have an, an awesome time. We, we went to Chabella, Char- mm-hmm. uh, the favourite restaurant yep. uh, we always do when, we, when I'm here. Um, but, but I learned that, that – and we started out the previous podcast – uh, and really, that looks at some of the formative things. It might be good to, you know, for, for some to backfill yeah. that and go and have a look at the one we did on momentum about six months ago. Um, but we talked about how there's no correlation. The research has been done between personality type and leadership outcome. Right. Our style of church, you you would think, well, a, a leader is a charismatic leader that can create, you know, moments and and get people laughing. Well, actually, um, that's that's not that's not a a a, a, a uh, not something that's that's borne out by by research. Right, right. Uh, now, a charismatic leader, if he he or she gets good process people around them, 
can can do great. Uh, but if it's just the moment and not movement that you're creating, um, you'll be creating moments till Jesus comes back. Right. And and I, I we meet like hundreds of pastors that 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 top up against 300 people or 400 people they they got into then again it's not magic numbers but it's but it's like I want to reach more people and once they unlock the idea of of how to get intentional about process it's far from dry like we said last time it's the convergence of the spiritual and the strategy and systems right the presence and power and planning and process mm-hmm. so those things kiss each other and you get transformative um, processes that can actually uh, take p- people and pastors step by step, which is what we've endeavoured to do in the book, put handles on this. Right. Ah, oh, I can do that. Yes, you can. So the last two pieces, gear seven, gear eight, as you say, are flex your capacity. You know, so those are free your soul, fund your vision. Yeah. Talk about how that works. And then I'm sure it's a cycle that just continues. Yeah, it really is. It really yeah. is. Um, uh, my battle with insecurity has been at times debilitating. Um, and some people don't realize that because I can, you know, create a moment. I, I, I do intentionally like to bring life. I feel like it's my assignment to bring joy to every room I'm in. Um, and I just think what's, you know, what's not to like about being full of God? Um, how can that not come out in whatever personality you've got. But but on the inside, I, I'd say, Logan, for the first 15 years, uh, been in ministry now nearly 40 years, um, I was racked with uh, debilitating insecurity at times and it locked me up. And so I would, I would dance to the tune of whoever was playing, particularly someone in authority. I would, I, the, the, the desire to please my leaders at times um, was, just, was just scary. Um, and so what happens when that is, when is the case? And I'm talking about freeing your soul. Um, God didn't have all of me. God had all of me through the filter of I really want to please them. I really want to please them. You know, even the idea as a pastor, I'm a pastor that's learnt to be a strategic leader. So so I was like absolutely in my element, seeing eight people a day, loving on them, hearing their issues and so forth. And But, but in order to scale, I, I had to step back from that. Now, I had to put other people in there. That was a hard shift for me to make because of my heart to please people, the instant feedback that comes as... Oh my gosh, Pastor! That, I feel so so much better. Praise the Lord! You know, uh, you, there's a bit of you in that. So, so freeing your soul is about confronting the man or the woman in the mirror, and going, "Who am I really right now? And who am I portraying that I am? And if I can get back to the earthiness of my honestly, my identity is in Christ." I'm already accepted by him and his approval is already on me before I do anything. And so I, so I find that place of freedom. I apply the word to my, to my life. Um, my, mind is, my, my mind and heart is conformed into the image of Christ, not, sorry, is transformed to the image of Christ, not conformed to and squeezed into the mold of this world. And so what, what is released is all of me. All of me, and and the impl- implementation of the stuff that is in the book 
does require a pastor not to be perfect in that, but to be moving toward wholeness. I've said many, many times, and probably others have too, one of the greatest gifts that we can give our congregation is the gift of our own wholeness, Mm -hmm. the gift of our own wholeness. And frankly, our family as well, our friends. Um, And that was a a hard lesson. I think in the early days I was caught up a little bit in the Hillsong bubble. That's not a negative comment. It's just like we, we, we got on a... Uh, it wasn't even called Hillsong then, Hills Christian Life Center. We we got on a re- youth revival, and we were we were riding that thing as well as we possibly could. And so, extreme fruitfulness, which those from the outside would have said, "My gosh, what's going on there?" can actually mask over internal brokenness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I had to confront that really uh, strongly when I became a lead pastor for the first time. So freeing a soul is a big message. It's, it's a very seminal part of this whole message. Uh, yes, there are handles and practicals, but it's about becoming the you that God created you to be, becoming the man or woman that walks by the Spirit in faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it's, it's actually one of my um, favourite things to talk about mm-hmm. um, because it's been such a dramatic thing and to be honest, I still battle with it. There are times that the ghost of the old man rattles, that insecurity oh, yeah. uh, starts to compare and so forth. Um, but I'd say, you know, th- there's been significant ground gained in that area uh, over the last 20 years or so. Well, that's amazing. I, I saw a post the other day and it said something along the lines, I'm not getting it exactly accurate, but insecurity is loud and security is quiet. Mm. And I think it's true for a lot of people, but I, but I but I think that maybe if I could expand on it, in people who are secure enough in their insecurity, yeah, have yeah. learned how to hush the voice, mm. to diminish it, to say it's still there. Me, I joke sometimes. I'm the most insecure person here, right? We all have that, but it's. How have you managed that Beautiful. in the midst of what you're walking through, in the midst of what you're leading and stepping into, I believe is probably the key for most people who are listening today is, do you have insecurity that the the leadership ability in you is not living up to its full potential? Absolutely. Do you we have insecurity do. that your family is not the way it's supposed to be? Absolutely. Yeah, Everyone right. has it. Yeah. But it's how do I respond to the insecurity? Do I respond with it with open hands to say, how can I be better? Wow. How can I humble I myself? Yeah. How can I learn from people mm-hmm. who've done it before? Or do you respond for insecurity of wearing it as pride and arrogance, trying to fake it till you make it yes. in a way that is not not a joking way, mm-hmm. but a way that's trying to prove to others that you actually are better than you think you are. When the truth is, we're all equal. Yeah. But everyone's doing different things with the gifts that God yeah, has given yeah. them. So I think that a reminder for people who are listening that you walk through it, I walk through it, everyone walks through it. There's no, there's no leader that I've met at any level that I've ever heard Absolutely that says right. I'm fully secure Absolutely in what God has called true. me to do. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think if you're fully secure in what God's calling you to do, then you're probably not being obedient. Yeah. Because if you read the Bible, every single person, yeah, they talk about that. So 
I think it's so true and it's freeing for so many people. My, uh, my very good friend, one of my heroes actually, uh, he's just fought the fight of his life with, uh, with uh, you know, it's very public, um, a cancer and, and God is just doing amazing things. Paul de Jong mm-hmm. uh, in New Zealand, he wrote a book called Isolating Insecurity mm. and he, the, the yeah. tagline is Isolate Insecurity Before It Isolates You. Ah, yeah. And you're right. If you, if you take the road of pretend – the road of facade, uh, and f- you know, for some reason, think it's it's this is not okay to share. Then a you're not helping others, but you're actually making putting yourself on a pedestal. Um, that that same spiritual mentor, Dr. Ed, Ed Cole, he used to say, um, a, a pedestal is as much a jail as any confined space. And when we're prepared to share our vulnerabilities, we actually take ourselves off. The pedestal, uh, religion, a kind of old school uh, religion. The pastor was like, "Man, I can't show my vulnerability," and and it's a sick place to be. Um, whereas you're absolutely right, Logan. When we're prepared to own our stuff and say, "Jesus, I am insecure. I am broken, but I am being conformed into your image. You see me whole." But I'm walking that out on a daily basis. So, so that's what free your soul is is really uh, all about. Um, and then the next section is fund your vision. It's the last section, not because it's the most important or all roads lead to money, <laughs> but because for many pastors, it is it is a it's a bane. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a pain. It's a it's a real frustration in their lives. Uh, in tough times, paying the bills, taking responsibility for team members, for the the, the cost of facilities, um, and I would say pastors possibly lose sleep uh, over that more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if you're doing well, there, and you've got any sense of vision, there's always a vision gap, and uh, and so it's like, yeah, the money's here, but I, I'd love to be able to plant that new campus. I'd love mm-hmm. to be able to um, refurb the building. I'd love to be able to send 10 missionaries, um, but but I can't right now. So we go into into very practical detail and, and um, River Valley, your dad is, is you know, uh, you know, this has become part of his life message yeah. with the generosity accelerators. In fact, I was up in, uh, we were up in London together the other oh, day. Oh, yeah, you my I, dad, yeah. And, and they, UK want it. I think there's, there's uh, you know, a buzz over in Holland that yep. want it. Uh, we're going to fix some stuff up down in Australia. So this thing, um, you know, shout out to all the kingdom builders. Mm-hmm. This thing's going global. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's so ripe for right now. Mm-hmm. So we talk about some of the nuance of, like, again, really practical. Well, well, yeah, kingdom builders. So do I do just a kingdom builders breakfast once a quarter? No, right. no. We, we talk very, very detailed in how to, how to really bring that home. Yeah, well, thank you. And obviously the book is out and people can find you at Leadership. Where would you send people to the book? Where yeah, should real, they go? real simple. Le- yeah. uh, sorry, Accelerate. So the letters XLR8 book.com. Great. And we'll link it in there. Acceleratebook.com. And here's the thing. I'm so, uh, I'm so passionate to to get this into the hands of ten thousand pastors. You'll notice you can actually mess with the price. So so if you're if you're in a situation, you're a pastor, and you say, oh, "Man, I'd love to be able to you know spot the twenty one bucks or whatever it is twenty one ninety five. Give me what you pay what you can, or even nothing. 
and just just spot us the postage and handling. Uh, and then there's an opportunity for the visual and the auditory learners. I've done nine masterclasses studio produced, which go along with the eight chapters of the book. Um, there's a study guide, there's an audio book that I recorded in my own voice. So, so there's a package that you can get, but if you want the book and you can't afford the book, I don't even care. Just, just get it. Love it. Just Love get it. it. Well, you've been a huge help to our church and to many churches around. So I'm excited for people to pick up the book. Uh, I know you've given us a small bit of it today, but I know there will be many that are picking it up. And until next time, we'll have you back soon when you come back to Minnesota. Thank you. And uh, just excited for all God's doing in your life. So and appreciate congrats it. again on the book. Thanks, man. Great to be with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Church. want to ask one Christmas gift. Would you be willing to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen if you've not done so yet? I know you've heard me ask before, but love seeing all those that are rating it, saying that it's helpful. It helps us get this out to more people. Hope you have an amazing Christmas. Happy New Year. And we'll see you back at the start of next year for Talking Church.